Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-fiving friends. I'm so excited you're here and as always, have an amazing guest to introduce. Today, we're going to be chatting with Dr. Terry Bader. She is a renowned leadership coach and CEO whisperer. She earned her MBA from Holt International Business School with an accrued training in authentic leadership, managing complexities, and behavioral economics. Between writing, coaching, and teaching meditation, Dr. Terry devotes herself to Love Conscious Human, a -a one-of-a-kind educational platform for evolving humans. Love Conscious Human was created to support those ready to embody love consciousness and participate in crowdsourcing a better future. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kaylin. So happy to be here. I'm, I'm very excited. excited. Yeah, me too. So I love to start off by just hearing kind of what brought you to doing the work you're doing today. Oh, wow. Um, lots of things. I think it just, uh, it kind of just panned out that way. You know how it's like a Oh, what do you call that? Uh, when you're kids and you play and you, you know, you look under a rock and there's a riddle to solve and you solve that riddle and then you move on to the next thing and uh, scavenger hunt. Oh, there you go. That's, yep. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of how things rolled out in my life from, you know, zigzagging my way to clarity. I always wanted some clarity on how things work, what's going on. I was just that kind of a kid. And that's what really, really got me there. I love that. I resonate with that a lot too. I think I've always been that um, kid and adult that was asking like, why? And trying to understand things. So that resonates a lot with me, that kind of like, digging deep and understanding stuff. And I love your, um, love conscious, uh, I'm sorry, let me, what was it? The love conscious human. So tell me about this idea of love consciousness versus war consciousness. Yeah. So, um, I started out in social engineering. I was 21. I'm now 57. I've been looking at human behavior forever. Like that's been my whole deal. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed how everything is so frictional. So war consciousness is this kind of construct. It's a societal construct. It's a psychological construct of the idea that we are divided. Somebody wins, somebody loses. You have to one up on somebody, you know, you have to beat somebody down so that you can be above them or, Am I below them? Let me compare. And I need to capture, contain, and control my world. I need to capture, contain, and control people. And it's this really almost nutty over-exaggeration of this part of who we are. And it's gotten out of control. And then on the other side, we have love consciousness, which is an understanding and awareness that we're actually all interdependent. We're all part of a whole Um, if, I mean, the pandemic showed us, you know, one of us breathes out, the other breathes in and boom, you know, you're Mm -hmm. sick. Like we're all interconnected. It's all our air 
And in love consciousness, you understand that. And that's your, that's, that's the kind of awareness that you have because consciousness is basically awareness. But what I'm doing with consciousness is I'm qualifying it Hmm. as, oh, what is your consciousness? What is, what are the, what are the values? What are the parameters of the consciousness that you're experiencing? And so I figured out there was this scale uh, from one end to the other, where basically you're in war consciousness and you think that the world is a horrible place to live. Everybody's out to get you and that you have to fight your way through. And it's you first, you know, it's survival. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end, you figure out that we're all in this together, that life is actually wonderful, that this is a great, the universe is a great place to be. We can have great relationships with ourselves and other people that it's enriching and that it's wonderful. And that's a place where we, we kind of get into a meta view and we can comprehend more. We can solve problems and create solutions. Mm. Um, I work with a lot of, you know, as a leadership coach and business, um, analyst or, you know, um, advisor, I work with a lot of companies and there's a lot of little things you can do to understand this. And just today I had a little bit of an epiphany where I'm working with an organization and they're talking about creating demand. And I was like, whoa, hold on. It's not about creating demand because that's actually a war conscious thing where you're saying, Let's go into this population. Let's manipulate them, their minds and their hearts, so that we can sell them something that we have that or that we can make for them so that we can create money for ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. incredibly war conscious. And it's very common in um, business and even in the educational language and understanding of with MBAs. And mm. I said, wait, a minute. let's talk about identifying a need. Instead of creating demand, let's identify a need. Let's actually serve the people. Let's actually solve a problem. This is how we add value. And that's coming from a love conscious place where I understand that what I put out in the world as an individual or as a business is also what I'm going to receive Mm. eventually. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love your take on this and and kind of how you conceptualize these ideas, because I think you put it in such a relatable way where in this kind of war consciousness, the thing that came up for me when I'm hearing, especially the company where you're talking about creating demand is the lack mentality, right? We have to like put it out there that there's a lack of resources People have to be in competition because there has to be that demand of I want, I want, I want. And the difference just between how you said, identify a need to add value and create demand like that to me, I was like, oh my goodness, what a beautiful representation of really how this is so different. And and the other question that I kind of had as you were talking about this is, with this idea where we are so much in this war consciousness space in just society in general, right? With competition rather than collaboration and all the ways that you are identifying, can we as humans jump between the two? 
like in our daily lives between being in a war consciousness space versus a love consciousness space? Yes. Now, and and this is where my book comes in. I can only coach so many people. I've Mm -hmm. spent the last 10 years creating a user's guide to the journey of stepping out of war consciousness and into love consciousness. And we have to understand also that war consciousness is a lesser state of being than love consciousness. Um, And it's very useful for people and organizations to step into love consciousness because no problem was ever solved at the level of consciousness that it was created. Mm -hmm. And by understanding that, you're actually elevating. And a lot of times that's what people talk about when they're saying, you know, I became more conscious. Well, they're talking about shifting into a love consciousness. I'm just being very specific as I'm trying to put together a guide so that people have mental and emotional understanding of where they are and what they're going through so that they can name it, take control it and get a, get a grip on it and then make a choice to curate their inner emotional mental landscape to move forward. And it's less, it's more of a progression than a toggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you talked about, you know, going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes practice. It's a little bit like trying to hum a lullaby in a Led Zeppelin concert. <laughs> it's in the beginning, it's like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute. Like you when you when you first become aware of war consciousness and you start to see it in depth within yourself, within your relationships, within a company, like I, I talked about creating, you know, the creating demand versus identifying a need. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a simple shift. But when you say it, people get on board. They can understand. Right. But you have to be able to name it. Mm. And therefore, the purpose of the book. And what's really cool about it is the more you spend time in love consciousness, the more the war consciousness actually drops away. The less it affects you, the less it feels raw or gritty or invasive or harmful to you. You start, it starts to be like water on a duck's back. And what it's like is, your life starts to shift and suddenly you start to have other people who in the Led Zeppelin concert are shouting a lullaby and you all start to sing a lullaby and then Led Zeppelin, you know, guitar player, whatever, starts to be like putting it down because the vibe changes. Mm -hmm. It's very rewarding to be in that other place. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely feel that. I I mean, I think as, again, as I'm sitting here listening to you share this, I can feel just like the difference you know, you said like, you have to be able to name it and then people can get on board. And as a counselor, one of the biggest things that I talk about with a lot of my clients is you have to be able to identify and name the sensation or the emotion that you're feeling, right. To be able to figure out like, what do I do with this? How do I process this? 
And so I love that there's kind of that same idea behind what consists of war consciousness and what consists of love consciousness. So like you said, you can bring that awareness and begin to shift um, into this piece of, you know, okay, yeah, we're connected. And how do we interact, right? Because if you are in that place where you're believing that we're all connected, then you're a lot exactly like you said, it is easier, right? If I'm believing I'm connected to my neighbors and, you know, somebody at the grocery store, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be giving them smiles. I'm going to be, you know, letting somebody maybe go in front of me and in the line, or I'm going to be collaborating rather than, like you said, you know, just being in that competition space or being in that fight kind of work consciousness. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, there's so much less fear. That's mm-hmm. so one of the first things that happens with my clients as I start to educate and shift them in the leadership coaching is they start to just relax. Mm-hmm. And then they start, then their relationship, they start to deepen their relationship. It's all happening natural because they've stopped with the cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. of being in a state of war consciousness. Because it's your emotional, mental landscape, which is at war with itself to start with. Mm. Once you start to heal that, you can move on to so many things. And it it tends to naturally radiate outwards. Mm. Um, And when you're in love consciousness, the cool, really cool thing is when you get to spend a lot of time there on a daily basis, a lot of the things that normally would bring you friction that are the logistics of life, which tend to be a little bit frictional. Like, do we have enough money in the bank? What are we going to do? Am I, how, what do I need to do to get this job or to, you know, finish this project or have, have a difficult conversation? Are they going to, you know, uh, laugh at me or say bad things about me if I, if I present in this way? So we have all these fears, but they're 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 mitigated because from a place of a higher consciousness of of this understanding, a deep understanding and embracing the wholeness of what it means to be alive, that just becomes the logistics of life. It's not defining you anymore. It's just something you do, like buying a plane ticket and figuring out what city you want to go through, what time you want to leave, how much money you want to spend, do you want to overnight? And that's just logistics. So it doesn't, it's not defining you mm-hmm. or pushing you to think or or behave in a way that doesn't serve you. Mm. So when we're talking about these kind of logistical pieces, I'm Consciousness can be an abstract idea for a lot of us when we're thinking about it, just moving through our lives. So when we go back to this logistics piece, how or what are some kind of practical ways to break free from these social constructs that we're we're talking about that are holding us back? Well, the first thing, I mean, obviously, I want people to read the book because I laid them all right. out. <laughs> yes. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of very simple ones that we have to look at. And under, so there's these Social constructs are like a group mind. Mm -hmm. And we sort of just buy into the story 
Um, like we buy into the story that a marriage is a man and a woman and 2.5 children. Like, <laughs> no, like mm-hmm. we, a marriage can be defined by the people that it are, are together and want to get married. They can define it themselves. Mm-hmm. Now that in itself is breaking a construct mm-hmm. because there are these constructs in the group mind that are societal and we don't question them. Um, and then there are there are certain constructs like what I call the happiness formula lie. And that is the idea that there's this formula of if I get the, the right job, the right spouse, I have the right kids, the right dress size, the right car, I live in the right neighborhood, I have like the right amount of money in the in the bank, um, and I look the right way, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. That is a fundamental lie, but it is everywhere. It's mm-hmm. like it's like in the water, you know, mm-hmm. it's so everywhere, it's just crazy. And it's such a lie because it never works and it has never worked for anybody. Mm -hmm. It's a construct and it's a bad one that we're abiding by. And what's worse is that we're not aware of it. Um, it, We're not, it's not in our usual language of the day. And Mm -hmm. therefore it's as a construct under which is subliminal for most of us Mm -hmm. it's great for for what for these people in psychological marketing they get to dip into that so they can manipulate people into Mm -hmm. buying stuff creating demand and selling stuff to people that they don't need that is not in their best interest where they should be spending their money on their own self-development or or health or something else Mm -hmm. And and so we're diverting people away from their evolution, you know, kind of the Maslow kind of up mm-hmm. the pyramid story. And it's not good. It's not good. So these are things that need to be first in our own minds broken. So there's another one, and I know you know this one, <laughs> and I call it the sickness of more. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please explain and that one. Absolutely. It's 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 a pandemic of sense of lack. Mm-hmm. And this sense of lack, I want you to understand, is fundamentally coming from war consciousness. It's coming from the individual identifying with a dual duality system of you versus me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's not enough. And therefore it's the sickness of more, like I can never stop. So between the sickness of more and the happiness formula lie, you got to break those down first and get clean them up, get them out of your mental, emotional landscape. Because they're destroying you. Mm -hmm. They're stealing your life. Absolutely. Yeah, man, I get 
I'm like at a, I'm speechless, which doesn't happen very often because it's very true, right? Like those, those two are so significant and so underlined in everything that society does really on just kind of like that subconscious level. Like we just, that's what we've accepted. That's what we are moving forward to. And that's why, again, one of the, one of the main reasons that I have this podcast is to start shaking these up and breaking these constructs because yes, we have conversations about some and in the world that I'm in, as far as counseling, like we have a lot more about, you know, different social contracts as far as like gender fluidity Mm -hmm. and marriage, kind of the ones we're talking about, but not necessarily still these big ones that are really underlying of the happy formula lie. I love that. And um, the sickness of more, my goodness. Yes. It's the amount of conversations I have with my clients that reach a goal and then go, okay, what's next, right? We don't stick and Mm -hmm. celebrate our goal and go to the next thing because it exactly is that. And that becomes the natural dialogue. And the amount of times on a regular basis, I have this conversation of, hold on, did you celebrate? Did you talk about what emotion you got from the school? Did you talk about why you're wanting whatever you're wanting? What is this thing that we're chasing and starting to just kind of break that cycle exactly like you're saying of, oh, Maybe I don't need that car. Maybe I don't need that bigger house. Maybe I X, Y, Z. But, and, and I want to say to you, we keep mentioning the book for the audience. It's called Flip Your Switch. Um, and I will put it in the episode notes, but I just wanted to reference that too. Because um, I think this is, the things we're talking about are so incredibly powerful. Um, and I cannot wait to dive into your book myself. Yeah, it's called Flip Your Switch, A User's Guide to a Whole New Mind. And the chapters are tiny. They are like bullet points. They're to the point. And there's about 52 of them once a week uh, for a year. Um, You can read it in the order or the disorder. It works that way too, because it's woven. It's There are a lot of these constructs. You you saw how the sickness of more and um, the happiness formula lie kind of weave together. Mm-hmm. I weave a lot of these together, like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. Mm-hmm. I talk about Maslow's glass ceiling, mm-hmm. which is the mechanism of how we get stuck around the middle of Maslow's hierarchy, generally just below belonging. Um, and then we take our resources and, it, you know, um, a great example of that is sort of like you have everything you need you ha- and you have a car and then you maybe you get a raise at work and you got a little bit more disposable income supposedly and instead of going on a course or um doing something to elevate yourself or have a, have a wonderful experience with uh friends family and loved ones you think mm, i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to trade in my toyota i'm going to get myself a mercedes <laughs> and so you level up and you drive out of the parking lot and then you have a bigger debt um, to pay off and you've sold out because you, you you didn't move up into the next level of your evolution as a human being. You hit Maslow's class ceiling and you went back into down into the material. You just redefined the material stuff at the bottom. And you're spinning around in the next material thing. And um, a lot of the economic systems that we're uh, 
involved in at this point, the the business models that we have do a lot to keep people there. Mm -hmm. And um, that's also one of the things I'm working on is helping um, CEOs and incubators and accelerators understand these economic systems and how we can shift them and how we can have better business models that are based in love consciousness, which are actually incredibly profitable because you're adding value instead of trying to steal something from someone. You're creating value by identifying a need and satisfying that need. And and it's very valuable to the people that you're helping. And therefore the byproduct is profit. Mm. I love that. So anyway, I think, a little bit there. No, I appreciate it. And I think that, my goodness, uh, the economic models that we follow are so outdated. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, and I want to put a reference out there for um, our listeners. If you're not familiar with when we're talking about Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, just a quick kind of overview. Um this is right up my alley. I can nerd out, nerd out about this. I um, am a humanistic counselor is my clinical orientation. So um, it, it starts with your physiological needs, then goes to the safety needs, then love and belonging. Then we go to self-esteem or esteem needs, and then self-actualization is at the top. So um, you can dive into it. It's a really awesome tool to kind of gauge what you're at. But the whole idea that um, Dr. Terry is referring to as well is that you have to build that foundation to move up the hierarchy. And that glass ceiling is um, in reference to moving up this hierarchy. So I just wanted to put that piece out there um, for to increase the, the understanding and give you a place to kind of start learning a little bit more about this, um, to integrate it and and talk about it a little bit more, but I want to ask you, Dr. Terry, about one of the ideas in your book. It talks about kind of the physical brain, conscious mind, celestial spirit, um, and what really the relationship is between those. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that piece. Um, yeah, I think that we're at a point in humanity where we have to understand that brain and mind are not synonymous. That's not the same thing. They're not a synonym. The brain is an organ and the mind is your thoughts and feelings and energies. And it's, it's sort of like the brain is the hardware and the mind is the software. Mm -hmm. And we have to start to differentiate how those things work. Um, you know, as much as I do like to geek out about the brain stuff, <laughs> it's also really important to understand that it is often the mind that is shaping the brain. Mm -hmm. And therefore, your thoughts are things. And it's really important where your thoughts go, the energy goes. And that's what you're creating. Mm -hmm. uh, you're creating your own experience by choosing your thoughts and emotions. Now, that doesn't mean that we're always at choice in our emotions. But it means that we can be at choice in our thoughts and emotions. And that's part of the journey um, that I teach my clients. And also, um, it's it, it, there's a lot about that in the book. Um, mm -hmm. Then there is the higher self. And the higher self, in I refer to it as the daemon uh, in the book which is also, I also refer to it sometimes as the divine seed. And it's a part of us that is our higher knowing. Um, 
The daemon is a term that dates back to the Greek philosophers. They had already identified it. Um, it's really nothing new. Um, it's very important to realize that we have these other levels of who we are that we can plug into. We're so afraid of the unknown. And by developing ourselves through the, the journey that I outline in the book, we can actually reach a state of emergence of the daemon. Um, I personally have done that. And it's very common for my clients to go through that. Um, all of the clients that I have in my private practice that have been with me for more than 18 months, which is two hours a month. It's not like we're doing for, you know, hours and hours. Mm -hmm. It's only two hours a month. And around the 18 month point, they start to get this emergence of the higher self and it's real. It's, um, very powerful. It's different for different people. A lot of them just start having precognition, dreams, things like that. Um, but it is, it's a wonderful outcome for most people because they start to um, be elevated into this other place where they feel good and they have this deeper sense of knowing, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I think it's a naive idea to think that we can just fix things on one level of how we function. So I love that you bring that kind of holistic piece into the book of, yes, there is thoughts and emotions and you are still have this other piece of your physical body, as well as the spirit that you're creating. I think that, or that's impacting what you're creating. Um, and I, again, I like how this is more, we're talking about some abstract concepts, but in a really realistic way, when we're talking about really the neuroplasticity of, um, I just wanted to highlight that piece, what you said, creating your own experience by choosing th your thoughts and emotions. And I think that's something that is hard for some of us to understand, but is really, really vital in making these changes that we're talking about with love consciousness and flipping that switch actually like the the title of your book right like choosing to show up in a very different way to create this life that we want and experience this life that we want where we're not stuck by these social constructs that we've just blindly accepted yeah oh absolutely i think that um i, I really do kind of geek out about the neuroplasticity part too and mm -hmm. i just think it's so awesome that we can actually curate our own life it, it, I mean, we can be at cause. We can we can change our our very experience from the inside out. Doesn't mean I can go and create world peace. Okay, that might be a little much, but I can definitely create peace in my mind and my heart, and I can also create successes, and I can reach a higher level of being, and I can live that way every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's neat. It's pretty it neat. So. If we take this one step further, how does understanding kind of some of these systems and that the physical, mental, like emotional piece, how does understanding these lead to kind of that personal independence and confidence? Because when you start when with the emergence of the daemon, you start to really know yourself. 
and you don't have the cognitive dissonance of that war consciousness anymore, where you're worried about what people are going to think about you. Um, I mean, even if you look at the word uh, uh, confidence, it's the Latin radicals confidelis, you know, with with loyalty to self, and that's what confidence is. So you get that state of knowing. You get um, it, it's an alignment. And it's really powerful because you you really start to care about what matters. You start to plug into your understanding of your, your own purpose, what you came here to do, what your kind of calling is. You know, you're, it's not perfect, but you're going to zigzag your way much more effectively towards your own personal well-being and creating successes in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's an inside job. Once you do that and you understand the system of how this works, it's rinse and repeat for the rest of your life. Mm. I get to keep doing it. Yeah, I love that. And I think that really brings us back to this idea of the scavenger hunt, right? Like growth is not going to ever be a linear process. I love that you said the zigzag and like the scavenger hunt of looking under this rock. Because I almost feel like that's a beautiful metaphor for what we do when we're figuring out and really understanding our higher self or divine seed, Damon, like you're referring to, um, it's like starting to look under these shadow pieces or kind of ruffle up some of these beliefs that we've believed and then decide that's not how we're going to operate and move forward um, and really shift and feel into that. I think um, it just made me think like the scavenger hunt kind of would come in full loop here or full circle um, back to that really idea of being a kid and being exploring. Explorative. Yes. And I mean, there's always keeping, you know, we talk a lot about the beginner's mind and just having that growth mindset, that openness. Um, There's so much still to learn. We as a species have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. And to quote His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, we don't need more people. We need better people. (laughs) And this is everywhere. And mm-hmm. so, and we're not very happy. We're not. As a species. So, no, we're not. Being in love consciousness and just getting yourself to a state of love consciousness makes you happy mm-hmm. as just as yourself. And when you're connected with all the different parts of self, you feel good. You're in alignment with your evolutionary drive. No, your your world is not perfect on the outside, but it's wonderful on the inside. Mm. And then, you, you know, you get to be happy and you get to create wonderful relationships because you have a whole new level of consciousness and understanding of how to do this and what to do. And you've left behind some of the junk that was getting in your way, keeping you stuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, I couldn't have said it better. I know we're getting tight on time and I have enjoyed this conversation so, so much. I appreciate you coming on and sharing so much of your knowledge. Um, 
for our listeners. I appreciate your time. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate you spending it here with us. As I said, I'm going to put all of um, Dr. Terry Bader's information in the episode notes with the link to her book so that you can jump on that um, and start shifting into that love consciousness. Again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.